Welcome to episode 55 of the Ask Achieve show where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we're going to be talking all about entering into the personal training field. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. All right, Achievers, it's episode 55. What's a, what's, a, what's, a, what's a sports number for that? 55? Um... I feel like it's a good football like linebacker number. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. But Vrabel was fifty. Brewski, what was Brewski? I only know Patriots. Yeah. All right. Anyway. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Tried to come up with something there, but no. Um, So today we're going to answer a bunch of questions on how to get into the personal training industry. Um, We've got quite a bit of a following from personal trainers. And uh, we got a lot of DMs recently asking how they can kind of like break into the industry a little bit more, or I guess personal trainers who aren't yet personal trainers, but <laughs> would aspire to be. Aspiring personal trainers. Um, and talk about online training a little bit as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you want to just kind of... Should just get right into it? Let's get right into it. All right. No no beating around the bush today. Just getting <laughs> right into it. Okay. So I'm just going to sum up the first two questions a little bit. Um, the first one is from Eamon Salomon, and basically they asked... Um, that or they mentioned that they're planning to be a physical trainer while studying for their masters. Um, the second one is from Genuine Wellness, and she asked. Um, she's currently an occupational therapist and wants to transition into being a uh, trainer. And she asked, um, "What advice do you have for newly certified trainers breaking into the field without having to quote unquote do time at the generic big box gyms?" Um, so two kind of similar situations of people who are um, transitioning careers or like studying. Um, for something else, but maybe are becoming personal trainers, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I guess, I guess we should just approach this in terms of like, if a friend was asking us how they would break into the personal, personal training industry, how we'd go about giving them just like our general advice. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, it's obviously fitness has to be a passion, right? Working out has to be a passion, whether it's running or yoga or strength training, whatever fitness that you advocate. Um, It's just something that you have to be very passionate and it has to be a big part of what you do because personal training is going to be, um, you know, a very big undertaking. I think people think that personal trainers just work out and are very fit and just all of it is just very like on the surface, very glamorous, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it isn't only until you start actually working with people and coaching people where you actually understand like how draining it actually is. And if you're only if you're passionate about the industry and about helping people and just working with people, can you actually just make it through all those long grinding hours? But if you aren't really um, like nearly obsessed with the industry itself in the first place, then it can really wear down on you. So there's kind of a difference of like, if you're really into it, then you might get energized from this profession. Whereas if you're not that into it, it can really drain on you. And that's the reason why there's so much burnout in the personal training industry. Right. I think there's like, I think there's like a two or three year like average in terms of career length. Yeah. Um, So that's, it's just something that we we, want to put out there. We don't want to say that it's all like rainbows and butterflies and we just help people and like they get into the best shape of their lives. Like it's just very draining to work with someone and making sure that they, you know, reach the, whatever outcomes that they want to do and just do it repetitively on a daily basis and always be on and always be on at hours where people aren't usually working so that they can actually hit the gym. So 6 a.m. to all the way to 9, 10 p.m. at night. Like these are just normal hours for a personal trainer. 
Yeah, and I would say on top of that, like, um, and you kind of hit on this as you were going, but not just a passion for fitness, because I don't think that that's enough. That's true. Yeah, um, I think, and and that's not what you meant, but you did like a lot of people think like, oh, I love working out, I love right. my own training, I like to push myself hard, and I love to doing these races and all this stuff. Just because you love that and doing that yourself doesn't mean you'll love being a personal trainer. Mm. It's actually very, very, very different. Yeah. Um, the the thing that you have to have passion for is is working with people. Yeah. Um, and and helping people like come up with solutions and strategies and learning the anatomy behind things like those. It, there has to the passion has to be beyond your personal love of fitness, because we do know a lot of people who love fitness themselves, who tried to be personal trainers and realized that actually this was just something that I like to do personally and not necessarily a career for me. Yeah, which is totally fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've definitely seen and met personal trainers where they start to understand that maybe they're even their own like fitness and their own workouts start to take a little bit of a backseat. Right. But if that person is more invested in themselves and they have, you know, they're, they're worried about their workout, less so about their client's workout. Like these are just like some things that we see where maybe this isn't the right field for them because they're more about having fitness be an enhancer to their life rather than coaching someone else to have fitness be an enhancer to their life. So it's just like understanding who you are and like why you would like to get into the industry rather than just saying, oh, personal training looks cool. I get to work out a little bit and, you know, have a positive impact on someone's life. Um, It's There's just a lot more to it than that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So in terms of actually getting your foot in the door, I would say just actually going through some sort of CPT exam just to have the initial qualifications. Um, The mistake people make is that they take the CPT and they think, okay, I can just start working with people. I'm an expert now. I'm a a certified personal trainer. But in actuality, it's the just like the base level of knowledge that you need to get your foot in the door and start working with people on a legal basis. Right. Like to not get sued. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like if somebody like twists their ankle, you have to have a certified personal trainer like certificate to yep. show that you actually <laughs> like have some base of experience to actually train this person. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, there it it doesn't give you any hands-on real life experience so mm-hmm. it does give you like you will get and they've got i'm sure they've gotten better like jason and i are always like i mean we remember now it was 11 years ago that we took ours like yeah it was pretty bad yeah. um <laughs> i'm sure in the last 11 years it's improved i hope um but i don't know that for sure either yeah. <laughs> um but it was really mo- mainly like anatomy which is good you need to know yeah, anatomy very but general anatomy general anatomy basic anatomy um and then very general nutrition guidelines that are pretty outdated outdated yeah, yeah. a lot of stuff that's just a little bit outdated and basically it once you go through it it really ends up being on you to actually go out there and seek out the more hands-on experiences um and certifications that are out there Yeah, but yeah, but basically it gets your foot in the door and also it just gives you um, a more further understanding of whether or not this is the right fit for you because that test will take probably a good three months or so to take regardless of your previous fitness experience Mm -hmm. Um, and it's something to take seriously and if you find yourself like dragging, you're like, ah, I don't want to read through this right now or uh, this isn't like, I'd rather just hang out. 
Um, or on the contrary, you're like, oh, I can't wait to come back from work, from my nine to five, dig into this book and just start working right away. Then that's already an initial signal that, you know, you're heading in the right direction. That's right? true. I mean, we like I was studying for it while I was in school mm-hmm. for journalism, and I definitely pulled that book out more than I wanted to do my journalism homework. Yeah. <laughs> so like that's, yeah, it's something that like, if you have like a really good book you're reading, but you start putting that down to go for your NASA CPT certification yeah. <laughs> book, like that's a good that's sign. probably a good sign, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's yeah. a good point. Now in <laughs> terms of uh, different CPT type of exams and like uh, certifying bodies, uh, the two we really recommend are NASM, National Academy, Academy of Sports Medicine. That's what Laura and I are certified through as well as the NSCA, um, National Sports Strength and Conditioning Association. Um, those are probably the two biggest ones, the most recognizable ones. Um, for us, like if someone was applying for a job at Achieve, we really um, could care less about which one that you actually get. Uh, we, like we've had personal trainers come up to us with ACE or whatever, slightly lesser known. We, we would actually advocate going for the cheapest option and just going through that because there's going to be a lot more investment down the line in terms of um, more specialized certifications. Um, But in terms of like getting the safest bet is going to be an NASM or a NSCA CPT. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then I wanted to talk about um, getting your foot in the door and where to start. Yes. Um, So a lot of people, I think there's this, I think there's a really big like, push against, and we could even be contributing to this sometimes (laughs) with our language, but a push against being a trainer in a big box gym, quote unquote, big box gym or conventional gym, um, something like a, um, Equinox or Boston sports club or, um, what else are the popular ones? Planet Fitness, Fitness um, there's this like pushback against it. And we, we don't love the way that those gyms are set up from a corporate standpoint. We don't love the way that they try to uh, entice people in with cheap memberships and hope that they don't show up. Um, things like that. The values of those companies we don't love. And that's why we're doing something different. Yeah. There's but, such a focus on numbers and membership yeah. and how many sessions you've been training and how many packages you've sold and what's your retention rate. And there's so many numbers that it's so like quant- quantity based rather than just like the quality and like the effort that you put in. Right. Uh, sorry to cut you off. <laughs> no, that's okay. But that's exactly, that's what we feel is wrong with those types of gyms, which is why we tend to say like, you know, it's so much like think places like Achieve or places like Results yeah. Fitness or they're doing so much better because they care about their members and their focus is on results and, and actual like community and whatever. So yes, that is a better environment for the member. But as a new personal trainer, I don't think there's anything better than going into a conventional gym and getting a ton of clients right off the bat that are going to be a variety of different types of people. Uh, You're going to have to write a variety of different types of programs and you're going to get so much experience because there are a ton of people there. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely like not our favorite experience, but it definitely just shaped the just overall trajectory of where we wanted to achieve to go because otherwise we wouldn't have known what the average person walking into a gym actually felt like. Mm -hmm. And otherwise we would have been like, oh, people just, you know, would get over it. It's no big deal. And we wouldn't have placed such an emphasis on our community and positivity and being welcoming all those uh, different variables until we actually experienced it. So it's really helpful to, for that. And also like just the fast variety of people that go to a commercial gym and just understanding 
that everyone moves differently, everyone communicates differently, everyone um, takes feedback and coaching differently, um, even your your coworkers. Like it's a totally like it can be a total toss up between like it could be the craziest work environment or it can be a pretty <laughs> cohesive environment. Um, but it just exposes you to so many different elements um, that then after some time there, it just gives you perspective later on when you decide to go to maybe a smaller training studio or start your own place, um, things like that. Yeah. So I would say the benefits of doing that, like Jason was just saying, like meeting a variety of different people, um, learning from different coaches, because there are going to be like a lot of other coaches in those facilities. And hopefully there's one or two that you feel pretty aligned with that you feel like, oh, they could be a mentor for me. Um, And then also a lot of learning what, what, isn't really great training and Mm -hmm. you're going to see some stuff that kind of sucks and hopefully you can get a better sense of like really what your, what your passion is and and how you want to change the industry for the better. So when you see trainers like on their phones while they're training their, (laughs) their clients and you're going to see that in those types of settings, like mental note, like I, that looks horrible to me. Like I'm never Mm going to do that. And like, just, it, it just helps so much to get a sense of what people are experiencing in general when they're going to the gym because it's still the the number one like type of gym that people go to mm-hmm. there's not a ton of small studios out there there really are more big commercial gyms like planet fitnesses and gold's gyms and so to understand where people are coming from when they say like oh i don't like the gym yeah and to understand why instead of just saying like oh no no, no we're different but you don't actually know why you're different <laughs> um so it just really it, it is a good experience i know it might not be the most glamorous recommendation for getting started um and it's not where everyone has to get started but i also wouldn't set it aside as something that you won't do um it could be harder to get your foot in the door without doing that first and also there could be just a lot of great things to be learned from actually doing it yeah um okay so now you've got your cbt you're kind of in the door at a commercial gym now what and so this part this part was probably the the trickiest part uh, especially for me someone who's uh was very introverted. It took me a very long time to get comfortable approaching people and talking with people. And I think a lot of it had to do with anxiety because from the, um, just from the corporate world, they keep basically pummeling their trainers with, what are your numbers? We need to hit this goal. We need to hit this revenue. We need to sell this many packages. And so what I ended up doing was transferring that into my mind as like, oh, I need to start selling people. And instead, if someone just told me, hey, just try to be the friendliest person that you can possibly be and be someone that gives as much information and as, a, as much advice as possible without having some sort of agenda on the back end to sell them on a package, um, it would have done me just so much more benefit than trying to scare me with me potentially losing my job if I don't hit these certain benchmarks, right? So my advice for someone who's just starting out in a commercial gym is, especially if there are other trainers there, like they're going to be more established. Members are more likely going to go to them. So your only leverage is to be the most approachable person at the gym. So just saying hi to everyone, not saying, hey, can I help you with that? Hey, can I help you with this? Can I help you with that? Just just approach them. Hey, say I'm, I'm new here. Just want to introduce myself. If you need anything, let me know. And then just go on and just do that over and over and over again. And if someone kind of 
calls you over, help them out, but don't like slip them a business card right after and sell them on a training package. Just say, hey, so great to see you. Um, glad that helped and just move on. And then over time, over the course of three, four, five, six months or so, you'll slowly start getting trust and respect and rapport and people will understand that you're not just selling them on personal training, but you're actually trying to actually legitimately help them. And then over time, that sort of word spreads and you'll get more and more clients and this just kind of snowballs. It's only when people try to sell people on a six pack right off the bat that they're like, whoa, they're just looking to sell me on the back end. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the best advice that I've heard for that type of setting mm-hmm. um, because you will get bombarded with sales numbers and like you're rewarded for being the top selling personal trainer for yeah. the month. And it's like, what about the the person who got people the most results? Yeah. Like, what about the person who people like the most? Like, shouldn't that mm-hmm. matter more? Um, but no, not in a corporate setting. It doesn't. They're all about the bottom line. So yeah. um, keep that in mind, though, is that that's what's going to matter for your personal business and your personal career. And that's what's going to take you to the next level, get you out of that setting and mm-hmm. into something maybe more fulfilling for you, maybe more, like, um, in line with what you want to do. But that's that's awesome advice for if you're if you're starting out in the corporate setting. Yeah, yeah. and then just one other piece, um, something that I would probably do right now if I was just starting out, having understood like what was going on, um, I would also set up some sort of like weekly email or blog that I set up where instead of selling people on packages, I would basically say like, hey, like I I put out these like weekly tips through a uh, newsletter email. Um, why don't you just give me your email and we can be um, like you can basically get all this information on a weekly basis. And so, again, there's no selling. You're just providing value. And then over time, maybe you can say like, hey, I've got some openings up this week. Um, you know, I'm willing to meet with, you know, someone for 30 minutes or so and just kind of like basically give as much value as you can. And then every once in a while, kind of pitch that you have an opening or a slot available. That sort of that sort of setup, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, okay, so CPT, now they've got a boatload of sessions. They're training <laughs> like crazy. Um, I would say after about 8 to 12 months of actually getting your feet wet, um, that's when I would say maybe looking into um, a specialty certification. Yeah. Um, so the two that we always recommend first are FMS, Functional Movement Systems, and Strong First, um, the Strong First Kettlebell Certification. Um, and I guess at this point, we'd probably also throw in CFSC, which right. is Certified Functional Strength Coach. These three, um, ideally get them all, but start with FMS first, I would say, just mm-hmm. to get an understanding of um, what human movement entails. Because um, before we took FMS, we were all about basically just bodybuilding body type of stuff, yeah. which is, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but um, now understanding, um, gain, gaining a better understanding of how people move and operate and function in daily, daily life and understanding that we can use our training to reflect that, um, that was a huge game changer for us. So we always recommend FMS for really pioneering that sort of um, movement, quote unquote. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, FMS, SFG, and CFSC are probably the, the, the tier one certifications that we always recommend for anyone breaking into the field. Um, and the reason why we don't tell people to take those immediately right off the bat is because you, you need to gain some experience in the trenches first before this specialty stuff actually makes sense. Um, otherwise, you'll just be learning all this information, not applying it, and not understanding why people have decided to create these certifications and organizations in the first place. Mm. Yeah. What do you recommend? So in that first 8 to 12 months where they are just getting the experience, um, 
what would you say you recommend in terms of like, how do they, cause I remember what we used to do was just write a workout every time somebody came in. Yeah. Right. Like should, should people be That's trying to start off with, I don't have an answer for this, but like start off with programs or like how should they start to learn how to put together that kind of stuff? I would really just go based on what they've already been doing from a fitness standpoint. So if they're used to programs and maybe they've started with a starting strength or a strong lifts, that sort of program, put your members on that sort of program and just see what things work, what things don't work. And this is just really just trial and error for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if you have more of like a hit background that changes every day, like try that out. I mean, like we, we, we just did what we We knew at the time and we still got plenty of results. um, Even looking back on it when we didn't have the best optimal tactics, uh, but it was because we were so invested in helping and caring for the other person that they just kind of like got willed into getting results, even though it was a, it was a suboptimal approach. Yeah, and they would they got results because they were moving yeah. their bodies, right? Like they hadn't been working out before, and now they're working out. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, that's going to get anyone results. Yeah. After a year of doing that, you're going to need to get something that's a little bit more programmed, a little more systemized. So totally. I guess in that first year, yeah, you, you probably will still be pretty successful with your clients mm-hmm. by just doing that kind of stuff. Um, I would also just make sure that you're just asking a lot of questions of the people that you're working with, like Mm. asking them how certain exercises feel to them. Like what do they enjoy doing and trying to tailor your, what you know to what you know that they like and what you know that they like, if they have any injuries, anything like that, like trying to steer clear of some of the things that bother their knees. If they tend to have knee pain, that kind of thing. So just to show them that you're taking their, situation into consideration. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the biggest thing you can do is just show people that you care in those kinds of ways. How you put together your program will evolve over time with all these new certifications that you take. I mean, we still continue to evolve our programming and it's 11 years later. So, um, but I just, I want people to have some sort of idea of like, okay, I got my CPT. It didn't really tell me anything about how to put together programs. So (laughs) what do I do there? So Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, the CPT gives you a baseline. Like, the NASM had their o- OPT oh, model. the OPT so model. kind of went off that. of, actually, as well. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, if someone's actually interested in personal training, most likely they have some sort of, like, background, background. with yeah. doing a workout of some sort. So, yeah. yeah, going along that route. Cool. And then, yeah, and then also allowing for that all to change when you do go to a specialist, specialty mm, certification. Yeah. So not getting stuck in in a system or stuck in your ways in any way, but also, but kind of just saying to the people that you, um, that you're working with, like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to the certification or I went to the certification and I have all these new ideas. I learned all this new stuff. So I'm going to start tweaking your, the way we work out a little bit. Um, people are going to love that. I think mm-hmm. people get nervous about like, Oh, but will they think that I was, didn't know what I was doing before. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, and they get really nervous to change anything because they don't want to show that they, didn't know this stuff before. Mm -hmm. Um, and in our experience, it's the complete opposite. It's people get excited when you come back and you're like, I learned all this new stuff. Like, like, yeah, I was still, as long as they know, and you've already established that you care so much about this person, they, they know that you're doing the best that you can do in the moment. Mm -hmm. You're giving them the best advice that you have in the moment. You're giving them the best training that you have. And now you have more and now you can give them more. And everyone's always going to appreciate that. We've never had anyone say like, Oh, so what we're, what we were doing before was wrong. It was a waste like, of time. It was a waste of time. Yeah. No, because they're probably still having fun. They're getting 
getting results. They feel good. So just adding new things every time you go to new certifications only enhances the experience of the client. It never makes them question or second guess you. Yeah, that's so true. Um, and actually to add to that point, so let's, I mean, let's say you're just starting off. You're like three months into the field. Like there is no need to try to pose as an expert because you're not. Um, I, I remember when I first was at BSC, like I felt pressure to be like this fitness expert know-it-all. And I remember this, this very distinct situation where I said something along the lines of like, this exercise really helps out your shoulder stabilizers to a uh, prospective client. And they said, I said, oh, well, what, like, what are the shoulder stabilizers? And I, like, I, did, I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah those, those shoulder stabilizers. <laughs> And like, like, uh, needless to say, like, I didn't like, I wasn't able to sell sell her on a package after that. <laughs> She's like, if you can't name the rotator cuff muscles, we yeah, yeah, not yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I can, you know, name all the rotator cuff extra uh, muscles and all the uh, the attributing shoulder stabilizers. But you know, like, I think if you just go about go about it in terms of like, hey, like, I'm a little bit newer into the industry, but you know, someone that. Like I'm someone that you can actually rely on and depend on. I'm going to be in your corner. If I don't know something, I'm going to go find it out for you. Um, Cause it's less about what, like it doesn't matter what shoulder stabilizers that actually worked for her. It was more that I could have been kind of this consultant and this sounding board and this person that she can rely on in terms of motivation and accountability, not that small bit of knowledge of what exactly a Terry's minor or a subscapularis is. Um, so just, putting pressure off yourself to feel like you need to know everything and just giving yourself um, that kind of vulnerability and say, Hey, I'm learning um, as well, but I'm going to do everything in my power to help you out. Like, I think that's going to be um, a much better approach than trying to fake it till you make it in that regard. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, I also wanted to mention um, with the FMS, SFG and CFSC that you should also um, attend either a perform better one day oh, yeah. or perform better three day. Um, that is like an overload of just like when, when our first three or four years into it, we we're like, oh, my God, we don't know anything. This is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it also excited us, too. So we like this is how we know about all these organizations because they would speak at the Perform Better Summits and Perform Better One Day Workshops. And we'd go dig deeper into each lecturer that happened to be at that uh, particular yeah, circuit. We'd, we'd get their books. We'd do their yeah. internships, mentorships. Exactly. Like, go, yeah, shadow them, do whatever we could mm -hmm. um, once we heard them talk. But it is just invaluable. And the cost is still really, really good for yeah. what you get out of it. So definitely, definitely, if there's a one day, they do, because there's only three, or maybe there's four different locations for the um, three-day no? Yeah, there's like they do, four or five. Like Long like Beach, that. Orlando, Providence, and maybe one. I think there's Anaheim. Maybe one other. I yeah, don't know. But there's, like they're kind of spread out. Um, but the one days I think they do a lot more of. Um, so you might be able to more easily find one in your area. And yeah, they have, I mean, they just have some of the best presenters there. People with a ton of experience who can just in an hour give you more information than you could ever imagine and you're just yeah. like oh my god just I need to go away. learn everything <laughs> else that I can from this person um, and it gives you an idea of, of where you can go get more information so yeah, yeah. definitely do one of those um, one thing that I did want to say is that you know if this is someone who's not like quitting their job cold turkey it's going to be a little bit of a tough, tougher process um, in terms of just putting in the hours mm -hmm. um, so I mean it's going to have to be something along the lines of like waking up early and maybe training clients from six to eight, 
then working from nine to five and then going back to the gym from six to eight and working on Saturdays and Sundays or whatever else you can manage to get these hours in. But you know that six months down the line, if you're still doing it and you're still excited to see these people bright and early in the morning and all the way up until the end of the night, that means that more than likely you're probably in a good position and maybe you can slowly transition from full-time down to part-time in terms of your normal job and you can pick up more shifts and hours at your commercial gym and slowly just kind of like switch those places. Um, But the benefit of actually working while you're doing your personal training is that you get to sort of like fund yourself a little bit in terms mm-hmm. of like the full-time job is actually funding your personal training like hobby at this point because you're you're really not going to make much money initially because like I said before, it's going to take three, six, seven months to actually build up the rapport that you actually have a ready, stable client base. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So CPT, continue <laughs> education, how to get more clients. More continuing education. No. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, more it kind of just, like, cycles, and then you eventually, like... And, I mean, some people stay in a commercial gym forever. Um, yeah, some but, people are very successful at commercial gyms. <laughs> Excuse me, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's fine. That's, like, yeah. great if that setting works for you. You know, the other um, side benefit of commercial gyms is that you can get benefits if you're full-time um, right off the bat. Whereas a normal, normal personal training studio and smaller gyms, like, um, they're just not necessarily equipped to handle that. Um, at achieve, we like firmly believe that fitness coaching could be a career and we wanted to offer it right off the bat. Um, but a lot of others, like we empathize with them. Like it's, it's, it's an expensive undertaking to, um, you know, provide any level of health insurance, whether it's 50% or hundred percent or whatever it might be. Um, so that is another benefit of being at a big box gym. It is like there is some corporate benefits that you get along with it. Right. So you you may decide that works for you. You like the setting that you found and you're going to stick with that. And that is your career. And cool. Just keep learning. Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Um, you may decide that you want to go into a niche. You may decide that, OK, I've gone to all these different certifications like I love kettlebells or I love triathlons or you decide that like this is something that you love helping people with so much that you actually want to spend the majority of your time doing this um then you might actually go and coach at a like kettlebell gym or you may Mm -hmm. have a like you may start a triathlon group Mm -hmm. or you might just start doing some more want to train younger athletes or older athletes athletes or runners whatever it might be right yeah um or you want to work in a setting similar to achieve where it's more general population clients but in a different um setting a more personalized more community-based setting um so just basically start to look around at other facilities that are around you and figure out what which ones appeal to you in terms of the way that they train and also the way that their environment is set up yeah and then pretty much what you said before i I think we should actually maybe have a part two since this is going over 30 minutes now, but just saying that, um, yeah, you just need to repeat this process now. Just (laughs) like train, continue education, train, continue education, coach, 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 continue education, just over and over again, um, for five, six, seven years or so, um, until that's at that point, you can finally probably consider yourself an expert as long as you've been really hounding that continue education and doing everything possible 
for your clients yeah. uh, that you can. But even like we were just at the, we went to this like meet the midwives um, event <laughs> for mm-hmm. um, my pregnancy. And I loved that all of them up there, I think the person, the newest person had been like 10 years in their industry. Yeah, that's true. And all of them were like, we like in our spare time, we love to go to continuing education yeah. things. And we love to learn about all the newest research. And like, if you want to be good in your field, whatever field it is, it's all about keeping up with what's going on yeah. and what's relevant and always being staying relevant. And especially if you're in the health field, things are changing all the time. Research is changing all the time. Um, and it's always going to be about staying relevant. There's never going to be a time where you just are like, cool, I'm like, wash your hands. <laughs> I've learned it all. Like, I'm good. Yeah. Um, so again, going back to the very beginning, if you don't get excited about reading your CPT book <laughs> and that feels draining, like think about doing that forever. Yeah. And I guess it's like, you don't see this with a lot of other industries because fitness is like, you know, based on even just like your genetics, you might just have a predisposition to look a certain way. And Mm. because of that, like you automatically might have a higher like judgment of where you think you are. And like, that's why we see, um, you know, people that are like super, uh, quote unquote fit looking where they have a lot of muscle like no body fat that sort of thing and they pose as experts because they look that way right so um yeah i don't really know where i was going with that but (laughs) (laughs) well i think maybe just that like in other industries you can't really pull that off oh yeah 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 (laughs) you can't like look more like a doctor you can't look more like a guitarist like you, you actually have to put in the time, put in the energy in order to get more and more refined at your craft. Um, but and yeah. you'll learn as a trainer that actually people don't really care what you look like. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, they, they do hope that you are involved in fitness in yeah, some like way. They hope you that preach. you practice what you preach, but they don't care if you're a bodybuilder or the leanest person like on, on a magazine cover. Like yeah. they just want to know that you care about their results and that you care about them and you're giving them the best that you can give them. So, yeah. um, don't worry too much about that. And I know I'm, I say that now and make it seem like an easy statement, but that can actually be really hard um, for some people. And that used to be really hard for me. It was worrying so much about my own appearance and what people might think about me and coming to the realization that they don't care. They really don't because they, I showed them that I cared about them, um, that they, they're like, what what I would be self-conscious about, they wouldn't even think about. Yeah. So. <laughs> and in terms of you and aesthetics it was very similar to me and how strong I was. And yeah. I had this kind of benchmark in my mind that I was like, okay, in order for me to be a good personal trainer slash strength coach, I need to bench press 300 pounds, squat 400, deadlift 500. And I spent a lot of time trying to get to those points and I would end up injured and overuse injuries and just like go through this time and time again where I would get hurt and then get better and then retry to do that thing, get hurt, get better, like over and over. And it was just like, was really draining on me. And then like, now it's just like, there, there are a bunch of members that are stronger than me because like we've gotten to them to this like point And it's just like, it, I feel super empowered by their success. Yeah. And it's just like a, yeah, totally different mind mindset and different mind shift. Um, as you get more and more acclimated with the industry, it's like, yeah, people don't care like what you look like or what you oh, right. can do. Yeah. It's just like, can you help them get to where they want to go? And that's really all that matters. Yeah. 
Cool. Cool. So, I mean, should we have should a part we, two? I think we should have a part two because we had another question that I feel like we could spend another half hour on. And I don't yeah. want to make an hour long podcast. Let's, so make let's make a do part, a part two. two. Maybe we can release it maybe on Friday so we don't interrupt the normal um, schedule for our normal followers. Sure. Not, yeah. Not that you aspiring personal trainers aren't normal, but. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's do a Friday podcast. We'll do part two on Friday. Part two. Special edition. We've got a cliffhanger. It's about social media, online training, and personal branding. Ooh. Everyone's favorite topic. Love it. All right. So I believe that that is all we have to cover today in terms of becoming a personal trainer. Um, if you have any follow-up questions to this episode, actually, we'd love to hear them. Um, so send us some messages. If you can get them to us by before Friday, we can try to address those in yeah. part two as well. Um, and if you have any new podcast questions about any general topics, you can send them to us at Achieve Fitness Boston on Instagram, or you can send us an email at podcast at achievefitnessboston.com. If you wouldn't mind leaving us an iTunes review, we'll be forever grateful for that. <laughs> and until next time, peace, love, and, and muscles. muscles.